it's kind of my job um, to unfold some layers. And so because all of us come from different denominational churches, it's really my job to kind of, kind of go back and, and unfold some things and to help you get a better idea of what this thing is all about. And uh, so this is a two-part series. We're, we're going to talk about our problems today that we have, and then next Sunday we're going to get to and be pretty entertaining next Sunday if you want to be here. Um, we're going to talk about the, the solution to the problem. 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 10. You kind of keep in mind that I was raised in the Assembly of God Church. And, and of all the years that I was raised in there, I probably didn't pay attention to any of it. And um, like most of you, that I grew up there. But uh, then as I turned 15 or 16 years old, I got a little defiant. And uh, all of us, we have to get past that stage. We have to get past it. Because somebody made us do something. or we You have to get past it. And now then, it's kind of like, uh, well... I think the more that you understand the, the, the love of God and the principles of God, the more that you want to be here. So it's found in 1 Peter chapter 4 and verse 10, because being raised in the Assembly of God Church, I really, I knew about, heard about one type of grace. Didn't hear much about grace. And what I did hear about it, it confused me, uh, because I was never good enough, never talented enough, never smart enough. And I never could be the guy in the front. I guess he was the model till I found out he wasn't the model. And, um, and when you hear about the, 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 the infractions that maybe clergy and people commit, you lose your faith in the whole thing. <clears throat> and that's your first mistake is putting your faith in people. There's nothing wrong with that. But Paul said, you follow me only as I follow the Lord. So 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 10, we're going to talk about different graces. And I have to do this because I think we're getting lost or confused in what this thing is about. Um, I was raised in a mentality that you could get saved and backslide and saved and backslide your whole entire life. It got, kind of got confusing. And, and I'll tell you, if you're born again of God, truly born again of God, by the Holy Spirit, you can only be saved once. But through the graces of God that we were saved, we are being saved, and we will be saved in the future. And, and one is our spirit, and one is our mind, and one is our resurrected body. But not today. But 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 10 says, And each one of us received a gift to minister one to another as good stewards of the manifold of the grace of God. He's talking about the body of Christ. He said every one of us has received a gift, and we should distribute that as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. The word manifold is called periculos. And periculos is a word means it's a variety in ways. It has various forms and shapes and layers. It means multiple. The idea that there's, there's not just one grace. This will confuse you if you don't understand a little bit what I'm trying to tell you. There are, there are manifold graces of God. As there's different sides to you. There's a side you bring to church. But thankfully, there's a side you leave at home. The Holy Spirit was meant for the home. It began and fell at John Mark's house. It didn't fall at the church. It fell at the house. You need the Holy Spirit at home. And you just bring that when you come to church. 
Do not come to church and say, oh, I hope the Holy Spirit falls on me. That's the biggest problem that most people have. It's designed because if you're ever going to get in a fit throwing, it's not going to be at church. Well, it could be, but it's going to be at home. Because I pulled into the divorce parking lot before their 50th anniversary, and I heard a lot of stuff going on, so I just eased back out. There are many graces to God. You just happen to know about one, maybe two. So we're going to talk about the, the, the various graces that God offers to us. And this is really important when it deals with, we'll talk about it, when it deals with sin and sin nature. And why is it that I gave my life to Christ, but I still sin? It's a good question. And then somebody will tell you, if you'll go to church somewhere else, they'll still tell you this, you have a devil. Well, you may have a devil, but besides that, there are other, there's other measures beyond that. The first grace that God gives us is what we're really comfortable with, that we understand. It's called justification. It's our conversion. It's God's grace that justifies us. When we get saved, it's called justification. Just as if we've never sinned. God forgives us. Now, we can call that that at our conversion, at our salvation, we gave our life to Christ, we made a commitment to God, and all this. And in this grace, God invites us to accept the finished work of the cross of Jesus Christ and his resurrection. And this is found in Romans 10, 9, and 10. So justification is, is what you're really familiar with. Is anybody here besides me has ever given their life to Christ? Really? Well, we're at the rest of you. Well, you, you can do that today. Okay. You're saved. Romans 10, 19, if, if we'll confess with our mouth and believe in our heart that God raised him from the dead, we can be saved. Confession and, and, and salvation goes hand in hand. So first there's repentance. I'm sorry. I'm not sorry I caught. I'm really sorry. God lifts off the lid of our septic tank and we smell how rotten we are. And for, for the first time in your life, you're smelling yourself and you go, man, I smell something that really stinks. And God said, I've been smelling that your entire life. I need change. And at that moment, we not only need change, but we have a Savior. So we're very familiar that this grace works in our life and is accomplished in our life at our conversion. Romans 5 and 1 says this. Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. So we are now justified by faith. And the word justification means to set in order or set in line. And we believe that justification means that all of our sins have been justified or acquitted. So when that moment that we give our life to Christ, it's a done deal. We're saved. Amen. Now then the question is, why do you continue to do stupid things? All right. Anybody there? Thank you. All right. The second one is called sanctifying grace. And sanctifying grace is kind of a familiar term, especially in Pentecostal wholeness, where you hear that I'm saved, I'm sanctified, and I'm, I'm on my way to heaven. Sanctification grace is a grace that God is continually at work in our life to produce the characteristics of Christ. And it's the process of allowing the fruit of the Holy Spirit to be developed and demonstrated in our lives. As Philippians 1 and 6 says that we are confident in this one thing, that he, which is God, that began a good work in us, which is our conversion, will continue that work sanctification till we meet Jesus. Even when you don't have the skills or the knowledge to do it, God is at work in your life. 
Sanctification is a process that means that God is now at work in your life, not to work on the heart because the heart has already been changed. Now then, to work on this other stuff. So sanctifying grace, it means, is, the word sanctify is where, it's a Greek word called doxa. It means to be set aside. God sets us aside. He pushes us aside and now he's working on us. And it's a constant process of renewal and renewing. Every day. Just when you figure everything out, everything changes. Just when you say, I'll never do that. Don't ever say, I'll never do that. Okay? And what happens is, but the good news is this, that you can give your life to Christ, give your heart to God, and he justifies you or he makes you right. He settles the account once and for all. It's a finished work on Calvary. You don't have to come back to the altar anymore and say, I need to be born again. That's, that's, that's ludicrous. But the problem is that we still have to deal with the mind. And the body is only obedient to the mind or the heart. So now then, it's a, it's a renewing process every day. But the good news is that when we get saved, God never says, good luck, you're on your own. He sends the Holy Spirit to help us. The Word of God is here to equip us. Sanctifying grace is the grace that God offers us that helps us every day of our life to help us to be more like Christ and it allows the fruit of the Holy Spirit to be developed and displayed in our life. That's what it's for. So I don't know about you, but I can tell you, I've been up here for about 30-something years and I'm really more spiritually equipped than the day that I got saved. And the day I got saved, I was so full of Jesus, I couldn't see straight. But I will tell you, I'm more in love with him, but it's a different love. Why? It's because it is the grace, the sanctifying grace, that's working in me, that, that's weeding out and moving out and pushing out a lot of junk that I used to deal with. And the Apostle Paul said, it's not me, but it's Christ that lives in me. So this grace, which is sanctifying grace, it occurs between our conversion and until we die. You will never get rid of God's grace in your life. Never. It's just a different form of grace. It's a different manifold of grace. It's a different side of grace. This grace, it means, has nothing to do with my heart. It has everything to do with my mind, my thought process, and when I get it right, then I have peace with God and then I have peace with my fellow man. Jude 1 and 2. Don't you just like to read out the book of Jude? I do. Jude 1 and 2 says, Jude, which is the half-brother of Jesus, the servant of Jesus Christ, and brother of James, which is the half-brother of Jesus, and to them that are sanctified by God, the Father, and preserved in Jesus Christ, and called. To mercy unto you, and peace and love be multiplied. Jude says we are sanctified through Jesus Christ. So not only are we saved, but we're sanctified. And then he uses the word preserved. We are kept. So not only God saves us, but he's in the business of preserving us, sanctifying us, setting us aside for a specific work. In my pickup, I got a lot of tools and I got stuff in my garage that I'll never need, but I'll tell you, if I ever need it, I got it. 
Now, the problem is, I, don't, I got it. I may not know where it is, but I got it. And we'll be somewhere, and Steve will say, hey, we, we need a wrench with a 90-degree angle. And I go, I got that, but I just don't know where it's at, but I'll find it. You see, everything that pertains to life and godliness, when you give your life to Christ, it's in you. When you get born in the natural, the doctor doesn't say, come back in three weeks and we're going to put in a gizzard. I mean, you're born with it. And that little jello of a brain, it's still wiggling around, but it'll develop one day. When you get born again, everything that pertains to life and godliness, Chuck, is in you. You don't have to come to church and God said, here, you forgot this last Sunday. It's in you. It just needs to grow and develop and mature. And how does that do that? Through saints find grace, through the work of the Holy Spirit. Because people and preachers, they will, they, they will manipulate you and tell you this. You don't have it all. But if you'll come back tonight at 630 with an offering, God will give it to you. That's a lie. I'd go and want your money back, what I'd do. God does, does not withhold anything from you. James chapter 1, verse 5. If any man lack wisdom or anything, let him ask of God, because God gives it freely to all men. So you don't have to come in and ask for it. You don't, it's already in you. What happens is sanctifying grace is, is at work in your life to develop, to weed out, to remove the tares, to remove the wicked, and the only thing left is what? The righteous. That's what sanctifying grace is doing. And I'll tell you what, this explains why some of you are just downright ornery. You're mean. You're hateful. Turn to somebody and say, you know you can be hateful at times. No, don't do it. Yo, go ahead. The most, the most hateful people in the world are not pimps, prostitutes, and plumbers. That's not the most hateful people in the world. It's Christians that's out of fellowship with God. They are mean. Because they know better. Because there's two, there's two kingdoms that struggle in their life. So the, the worst you are is when the kingdom of heaven is trying to get a hold of you and say, straighten up. Sanctifying grace is that process of removing all the debris and all the trash and little by little removing the wheat from the tares, the goats from the sheep, and, and the wicked from the righteous, and, and according to Noah. And before long, all you have left is the righteous, the wheat field, and a pasture full of good sheep. That's what God's doing in your life, little by little, sanctifying grace. So there is a grace that is never talked about, but we're going to talk about this one, obstacles to grace. Here's the problem we're having. Obstacles to grace, by definition, is ways that we allow, as Christians, things to disrupt not only our relationship with God, but our relationship with others as well. Obstacles to grace are ways that we allow things to disrupt not only our relationship with God, but others as well. An obstacle. You're saved. You're on your way to heaven, but you're acting like hell. Really? You're mean. You got a smart mouth. You're arrogant, you're prideful, you're snappy. And there's a reason for that. Besides you have a devil. There's a reason for that. That's funny because they told me that. They told me I had a devil one time. Well, I knew that, but besides that, I, I didn't understand the process of what's going on in my life. I knew I got saved. I thought I got saved. So evidently, if I got saved, I wouldn't be acting like this. No, no, it, 
There's a battle going on in my mind. And we understand ultimately who's going to win this thing, but we're going to talk about this. So, so I, can't, I can't answer it for you, but I will tell you, I gave my heart to Christ back in 1980, and I really gave my heart to Christ, but I'll tell you, I haven't hit every hole in one since then. I've struck out a few times. Are you with me? Okay. So Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 18, the Apostle Paul said this, that, that we'd have been here sooner to you in Thessalonica. I'd have come here sooner to you. Even me, Paul. But the problem was Satan hindered us. Ectopo is a word for hinder. It's a pretty good, it's, it's a pretty good word, but it means a detour due to a, something in the road. The road is closed. So the Apostle Paul, the church of Thessalonica, they really encouraged Paul to come. And boy, he was wanting to come. He was on his way. As a matter of fact, it was twice that it happened. He, and when he finally got there, he said, I'd have been here sooner. But the road was closed. Satan hindered me. Satan got in the way. We all as Christians have been hindered along the way that has kept us from living a healthy and a loving relationship with God and others as well. Every one of us Sunday when we get out here, we, we, hopefully we say, you know, this week I'm going to do better. I'm not going to scream and kick and cuss at the television anymore. That's because I put my foot in it last time and it's not working. But besides that, I'm going to do better. Anybody ever said that I'm going to do better? And come Monday, you eat those words. You have a flat or the car won't start. And then you're, you're late at work and you know what the boss is going to say. The problem is when you get to work, you say, I'd have been here on time. But the car wouldn't start. I'd have been here on time. But you know Ardmore's streetlights. I'd have been there, but something hindered me from getting here. It's amazing that we can be saved and on our way to heaven. God is in the process of sanctifying us, but every day of our life, if we're not careful, something is keeping us from living a full, healthy, loving relationship with God and other believers. Why is it that you can't get along? Thank you. Why, why, why is it that you can't get along with people in the church? Oh, they're hypocrites. Well, come on in. There's room for another. Come on in. Because there's hindrances. There's obstacles. Satan has put things along your way to cause you to trip, stumble, to detour, and you just never get to it. And we find ourselves only being saved in a sense of title or ownership on a piece of paper, but we're really not living a full, loving, healthy relationship with God or other people. I like you. I like most of you, but I like you. So why is that? Because Satan is involved. Satan is trying to keep you from enjoying your journey. And if God ever want to bless you, he'll send a person to your life. And if Satan ever wants to distract you, he'll send a person to your life. 
So here's the problem that we have. We are saved. We're justified. We're justified by, by faith. We're sanctified. It's, a, it's an ongoing basis that I'm better than I was yesterday. But why is it that I just don't seem to have the joy that I know that I could have? And why is it that I'm having to just make myself set by the person that I'm setting by? And here's the problem. Sin is the source of our hindrances. I'm not your problem. The yellow walls is not your problem. The bad keys that I hit on the piano is not your problem. I've been to churches where the piano players sound like there's a, there's a wad of cats in there fighting. But boy, I'll tell you what, the, the, the gladness of God was all in their life. What keeps us from, from enjoying a healthy and a loving relationship, not only with God that saved us, but with others and sin is a source of our obstacles or hindrances. So I'll show this little diagram. Sin is always self-centered rather than God-centered. Always. It's referred to as the big eye. See that red eye? The big eye. When you have the big eye, it means that I am the center of everything that's most important in my life rather than the will of God for my life. If you have the big eye, you've got sin in your life. If you're not being heard, if you're not being applauded, if you're not being all these things and you think you're being left out, I'll tell you what, you, you have a sin problem. you got the big eye. And, and you've heard me say this, but, but here's the answer for this. You ever took a group picture with you and your wife or someone else and everybody's eyes was open, and you was, and, and, but you're the only one that was shut? And you say, well, that's a horrible picture. No. Is because your eyes were shut and the other hundred eyes was wide open and their teeth was pearly. But because you wasn't getting all of the attention, it was a bad picture. Are you with me? You ever done that? Oh, it's a horrible picture. No, it's not a horrible picture. Well, I got my eyes closed and my tongue sticking out. Well, I understand that, but it's not a horrible picture. When, when, when you, the big eye, is always self-centered. I'm not getting enough focus. I'm not getting enough tension. I'm not getting enough applause. Nobody's patting me on the back. Nobody's sending me cards and letters. And, and it's all about you. No wonder you're miserable. The big eye. It's not what God's doing in here. It's, well, I, I don't think they could hear me. I, I don't think somebody recognized I got a new pair of shoes. I don't think nobody knew I had a new haircut. It's, all, it's I, I, I. It's the Holy Trinity, me, myself, and I. Watch this, Isaiah chapter 14. Here we go. I'll give you the scripture. You have fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning. And how art thou cut down to the ground which did weaken the nations? For thou hast said in thine heart, I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will set upon the mountains of the congregation in the sides of the north. And I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. 
and I will be like the Most High. A lot of I's involved in there. Five of them. Lucifer is the big I. Sin has the big I in it. Sin is always the source of us being hindered. Now, we used to sing a song a long time ago, but Danny Sherry did right before the moon was about big around. But there was a song called, It's me, it's me, O Lord, standing in the need of prayer. Now, we don't sing that anymore, of course. It's me, it's me, O Lord, standing in the need of prayer. It's not my mother, not my brother, but my sister, O Lord. But it's me, standing in the need of prayer. We don't sing that, of course, because it's no longer I, the problem. It's you, 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 and for God's sake, it's this section. And that section is gone. It's, it's too far gone. <laughs> Satan said in his heart, I will do this, and I'm going to do that, and I will do this, and before long, when I do all those things, I will be like the Most High. The Greek word for sin is called harmatia. Harmatia, by definition, it means to miss the mark. It's an archery term. It means to miss the target. So you can set up a target. And archers back then, nowadays we use guns or whatever. We still you can use bone arrows, but back then they would set up a target and they would shoot at the target. And if they missed it, it would call, be called sin. Matter of fact, in the Old Testament it said the tribe of Benjamin, they were all left-handed with slingshots and they never sinned. It means they never missed. Pretty skilled. The word sin means harmatia, but it means to miss the target, to miss the mark. It's possible that we as Christians can miss the mark. It's not only possible, but it's probable and it's proven that we can be saved and still miss the mark. Not miss the mark that we're going to miss heaven, but it's... it's it's missing the mark that we enjoy a relationship with God and the body of Christ. And what is the mark or what is the target? And the target is the will of God. The target that you're supposed to be hitting is the will of God. Now, what, somebody said, well, I thought it was Jesus. Once again, listen to what Jesus said. I've come to do my Father's will. I do nothing outside of my Father's will. I can do nothing outside of my Father's will. I will go nowhere outside of my Father's will. The target that Jesus had to hit up even to the cross was the will of my Father. Jesus said, I'm not the Lone Ranger doing my own thing here. I'll only do what my Father has sent me to do. So the will of the Father is found in Romans chapter 12, 1 and 2. And that you may prove, I beseech you, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable God, which is your reasonable service. The word reasonable is the Greek word called logic, and where we get a word for logic, it means with intelligence. I'm serving God with intelligence here. To not be conformed to this world, but be you transformed by the renewing of your mind. Here we go with, with the mind processed that you may prove what is good, acceptable, and the perfect will of God. And we've, we've given you the Greek words for good, acceptable, and the perfect will of God. So like any, any target, like any target that you have a, 
you have a, a round target, you got, a, you got a, a, a round thing here, and then it gets smaller, and then it's a bullseye. So it's good, and it's perfect, and acceptable, and then there's a perfect will of God. Good is agathos. It means a baby goodness. The word acceptable means, it's, it's a Greek word that means that between a child between three and seven, he's obedient, but he doesn't understand why he's obedient. It's kind of like a three-year-old, stick his tongue in a light socket, don't stick your tongue in a light socket. And they go, okay. Because they don't understand about water and electricity. They just mind you. But the perfect will of God, it means this, teleos, it means that to have a relationship with a grown child. I appreciate Jordan when he was young, but I appreciate him more now that we can have a decent conversation as men with men. God loves you when you're a baby, good as Agathos. When you're a baby, it's a one-sided thing. I mean, I mean, you just eat and poop and eat and poop. That's all it is. And God does all the The second one is that you, you're, maybe some of you here now, I'm, just, I'm obeying God, but I don't understand what the big deal is. But I'll obey him. I, I don't want to miss heaven, so I'll obey him. But you're missing it out. Hopefully we can get to the perfect will of God or the teleos will of God that we, we love him and we have a mature relationship with God without kicking and screaming or, or demanding through childish things. You get the idea. So, next week's really going to be pretty good. But anyway, there are two primary types of obstacles that we have to deal with. And it's sin. And I know this may not be popular, but I will tell you, it is scriptural. There are, first of all, there are nine things that hinder our relationship with God. Number one, idolatry. Serving false gods or just stuff. Putting stuff first. I mean putting stuff first. Blasphemy. Speaking irreverently or using God's name to curse or swear. Resisting God. Refusing to simply obey God. Ignoring God. Not making time for God through prayer or studying scriptures. Disobedience. To be in contradiction to the will and the wisdom of God that he has already instructed us. Unbelief. Refusing to believe the word of God and to act upon it. Ignorance. Intentionally alienate ourselves from the wisdom of God through the scriptures. Pride. Focusing our attention on ourselves rather than giving God glory and honor. There's the big eye right in the middle of it. And the last one's called unforgiveness. Jesus said if we do not forgive... We cannot be forgiven. One thing about forgiveness is these three things. You have to accept the forgiveness of God. You have to forgive other people that's hurt you. But the most important one is you have to forgive yourself. These nine things that are in a vertical line, and this vertical line is from, from earth going up to heaven. These are what we refer to as vertical sins. These things can hinder or alter our relationship with God. Now, I want to leave that up here. I want you to know, if, you, if, if, if you're having a little trouble, 
Honoring God, if you're having a little trouble saying, God, where are you? God is, is where the last place you left him. And if you're putting stuff first, you have a problem with God. If you're cussing on the side, no wonder you're having problems. If you're just resisting God, ignoring God, if you're disobedient, disrespectful, if you're unbelief, you're ignorant, if you're prideful, and if you're unforgiving, no wonder you're not getting a buzz when you come to church because you got all this other stuff that's causing you to stumble. Now, see, some of you are perfect. You are. You're just so perfect, you don't even need this message. But the rest of us, we need some help. So these sins, they hinder us from a loving relationship with God. Wow. The second obstacle that hinders our relationship with other people. Murder. To remove life from another. And it can be physically, emotionally, or spiritually. Addiction and abuse. These has many forms that it takes on. Lying. Speaking what is not as true. Gossip or slander. Speaking with the intent to hurt other people. Stealing. Taking what doesn't belong to you. Coveting. An unhealthy desire for position, property, or the power of influence. Laziness. Refusing to be a good steward of the gifts that God has entrusted to you. And the last one is called dishonor. It's just to be disrespectful. Disrespectful to God. Gail and I had a conversation Friday. We was, we was discussing a matter of, of something, and, and here's the deal. And you've heard me say this, but if you're not going to be faithful to God, why in the world do, you, do I think you're going to be faithful to me or this church? If you're going to disrespect God, then you're going to disrespect me. Disrespect can be disrespecting God, disrespecting the leadership, disrespecting me, disrespecting the law officers, disrespecting anything. And Romans 13 deals with this. But because of the big eye that we think we're above this and we're not. And no longer, no, no wonder we're having problems. As a matter of fact, these things, these are put within the first nine. And now then, the first nine dealt with things that hinder us in our relationship with God. Now then, these things hinder my getting along with you. So you see, Satan is in the business of hindering us. Whether it become taking the life physically, mentally, or emotionally from you. There's people bent on removing life from you. There's people that, 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 that are in this church, I guess, that, that when you walk out and you say, hey, wasn't church great? Well, I guess it was all right, but boy, did you hear the piano player? Man, he is some sarkies. And immediately they just killed whatever you had. Addiction and abuse. Lying. You don't have to lie about it. 
stealing, coveting. All these things are hindrances that deals with my relationship with you. So the first nine, it gives me a list of what is hindrance between me and God. And the next gives the hindrances between you and I. And I don't know about you, but no wonder we seem to be stuck in quicksand every day of our life. Because we live in a world that knows how to commit murder. We live in a world that knows abuse and addiction. We live in a world that all they do is lie. Gossip and slander and stealing and cut. We live in a world that's full of this. And if we're not careful, we not only we legalize it, but we adapt it to our way of life in the church. And it's not, it should not be this way. So we have a problem. And the problem is that we've been saved by grace and we've been justified and our sins have been forgiven. But the problem is, as Paul says, Satan's hindered me. He shut the road down. And I used to be happy until that happened. And I used to really enjoy coming to church until that happened. And then I used to love coming and shaking hands until he showed up. And the joy was taken from my journey. I'm still going to heaven, I believe, but I feel like I'm living in hell every day of my life. Satan's hindered you. And Satan's taken you on a road that's a detour. And the Bible says, it says that there's, there's a way that seemeth right to man, but the ways thereof is destruction and death. So what do we do with this mess? Next week will get a little easier for you. Colossians 2 and 14 says this. That Jesus took all of these things. Jesus took all of our addiction and our lying, our gossip and our murder and our stealing and our coveting and our laziness and our dishonor. Jesus took all these things and with all the rules that we could not follow, then he took all these infractions that we had and he nailed it to a cross. Every sin that kept us from a loving relationship with God and every sin that would keep me from having a loving relationship with you, Jesus Christ nailed it to the cross. There's not one sin that has been left uncovered by the cross. There's not one infraction of ignorance and stupidity and selfishness on our part that he did not pay the penalty of sin and death for. He took all these things that separated from us from God and that separated you and I and he nailed it to the cross. And his blood covered it and he said, it's finished. So here's the great news this morning. Knowing this, that God's grace is greater than our sins. And here's the better news. 
God has more grace than we have sin. Obstacles to grace is these things that are placed in our life to disrupt, detour, and distract us having a healthy, loving relationship with God. Obstacles, barriers, roadblocks, speed bumps, bridge out. And I know right now, there's some demons really rising up in you. I know that. I'm in the business to know it. But right now, there's something, you, you heard this sin problem. And all these things that separated your relationship with God, that maybe, maybe you've, you've got those things out in the open, but now then you have to deal with other people. People are like elevators. They'll either take you up or take you down. And something right now is, is saying, I know I need to go over and shake his hand or hug his neck. Or, but you know what? I know what they said about me. They didn't say it to my face, but I know what they said about me. And I just can't do it. By cracky, I'm not going to do it. Oh, you're making a huge mistake. While we were yet sinners, you'll find out next week, Christ died for us. You're making a huge mistake by just sitting back on the back row with a big eye syndrome. Well, I'm not going anywhere shaking hands. If they don't come to me, I'm not shaking hands. You got a sin problem. You got a sin problem. You got the big eye problem. And I'm here to tell you, there's nothing more fulfilling than getting the sin out of your life and having a wonderful relationship with God and having a wonderful relationship with one another. And even though you're contrary, say amen. Even though you're Andre, say oh me. Even though that you're hateful and even though that you can have moments, but you know what? We've all been forgiven. Jesus took all these things to the cross and you know what? We're still called to love one another. And I'm going to love you. I'm going to love you. And you can be the biggest rat to me. I'm going to love you. Because I enjoy being free in Christ. What's holding you back? What's keeping you back? What kind of obstacles are keeping you back? Born on the wrong side of the tracks? Born in a poor house? What kind of excuses have you got? Well, I've been hurt at the last church. Well, congratulations, you're not at the last church. Well, it was my first wife. Well, congratulations, you're not married to her anymore. So get over it. Three words, get over it. We're not, we don't have a daycare center here at church. We are men and women of God, and we've got to learn to get sin out of our life that we can have a relationship with God and a relationship one with another. When will we ever grow up? Hmm. Every head bowed, please, this morning. Here's the deal. Your enemy 
is working overtime to keep you from reaching the destiny of a healthy relationship with God and with others. He has set up circumstances and roadblocks and all kinds of booby traps to keep you away. You're saved. You gave your life to Jesus, and that's, that's once and for all. But my goodness, you're stuck somewhere. You're on another road. You're on a detour. You have nowhere, you don't have any idea where you're going because Satan has hindered you. Obstacles to God's grace are things that are set in front of us from time to time to keep us from reaching a full, healthy life of loving Jesus, loving the Father, and loving one another. Father, this morning we'd like to remove that, please. With an honest and sincere heart, we're asking the Holy Spirit to remove the big eye from our lives. That we can worship together, we can grow together, we can love one another together without any hindrances, without any obstacles that would get in our way of a healthy, loving relationship with you and the body of Christ. So this morning as we prepare ourselves for Holy Communion, this message is not for other people, Father. It's for me. It's been a long time, maybe, for some of us really laughed and enjoyed your presence, and now we know why. It's been a long time since we've really hugged and embraced other people because of maybe some things happened or things did not happen, but now we know why. There are obstacles that Satan has set in our way trying to keep us from reaching our place of destiny. Help us this morning as we remove the source of obstacles and that sin. Help us to be servants of the will of God wherever we go in Jesus' name. In all the people of God's today, amen. Communion servers, please come this morning. Jesus said in John 15, verse 3, you are made clean through my word. The word clean is where we get over for a catheter. You are pure now because my word has been inserted into your heart and is driving out all the poisons. So let's do something a little bit different this morning. As we celebrate Holy Communion, let's really take a, an examination of our conscience. And if we really don't have a loving relationship with God like He wants us to in a relationship with other people, I think we've got sin in our life and let's just deal with it. Let's just pray and ask God to remove it. For the rest of our days, we can have life and life abundantly. That night, He sat with His disciples and He took the bread and He said, this bread now represents my body broken for you. He took the cup and he said, this cup now represents my blood shed for the forgiveness of your sins. And as often as you partake of the bread and drink of the cup, remember me.
Bless this cup, bless this bread as we remember the body of Christ. In Jesus' name, amen.